Oh, welcome back to season three of the Dropkicks. Blackjack Bandit, how are you? Uh, yeah, it's hard to believe it's been over a year since we recorded our last podcast. Um, much has changed and yet much is still the same. But um, here we are, back to wound your ear holes. Uh, I know you've missed us. And uh, yeah, that's all I have to say. We're going to to the Super Rugby trans final from last night. The Blues taking on the Highlanders. Did you watch the game, the Blackjack Bandit? Uh, yes, I did manage to watch the entirety of that game. Um, pretty good game. Uh, no qualms about the Blues winning um, the game. But um, to claim that as a Super Rugby title, to be given the actual Super Rugby trophy for that, is an absolute joke. Um, there is no competition in the world where you can avoid playing the third, fourth, and fifth best teams and win it. So the Crusaders are Super Rugby champions. They've won the the little, I don't know what the Carabao Cup. Effectively, um, that's that's my <laughs> thinking on that. And you can celebrate that all you want, Auckland, but you you still haven't won since whatever it is, 97. Yeah, it does seem like a bit of a hollow hollow victory for them, doesn't it? Because, you know, they don't play, as you say, the third, fourth best and fifth best teams. And it feels like, because of the way that the competition was structured, not having like a round, say, at the end of the Aotearoa competition where you, can, you know, carry over the points. It feels like the Chiefs were basically the last team, you know, that realistically have a chance of winning it. So they finished last. The Hurricanes butchered it. And then the Crusaders were finished on equal on points, well, you know, equal on points, and then only separated on points differential at the end of it. So it does seem like a there was no real structure. And I think I did see, I think it was Nigel Golden put up a, a, a list uh, of what the points would have been. And it would have been a Blues Crusaders final. So there's no doubting the Blues deserve to be there. It's just kind of, I know the way the competition was structured just makes it seem very, yeah, like a, a Mickey Mouse win almost, as you say, Carabao Cup-like. In the, uh, in the sake of transparency, if the Hurricanes hadn't choked and we'd got the home final that we should have had, um, I would be celebrating us to the rooftops. But that yeah. is because yeah. we did so shit in the Aotearoa uh, competition and to just completely turn the season around would have been amazing. But the Blues, I mean, they choked in the Aotearoa one. They should have been in the final. Um, and then to pick yourself up from that, beat up some minnows and win a fake competition. And to claim that as a Super Rugby title, no, you, you don't do that. Yeah, and as you say, I think um, we have to be quite transparent here. We'd both, if the Hurricanes are in the final and had won it, it'd be a very different conversation today than, uh, than we're having at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we, we don't hide our bias here on the show. Um, very, very stacked towards the Wellington teams, New Zealand teams. But um, as Auckland isn't a real part of New Zealand, they, they can get bet up on. Um, and so... As I say, keep keep claiming that title. No one else is going to recognise it. There's a big asterisk next to it. So take your Carabao Cup, stick it with the sun, don't shine Auckland. 
<laughs> I think that's a good place to leave it, to be fair. I think uh, we've kind of covered our our thoughts on that um, trans-Tasman competition. It was, you know, it was nice to have, um, but I'm not sure how much everyone really got out of it, to be fair. No, I think it'd be interesting to see that the viewership after the Aotearoa one stopped. Um, I'd say the, the viewership would have gone way down because those... Oh, Aotearoa, what a fierce competition. I mean, last year it was incredible. This year, I think, it kind of went stale playing the same four teams again. Um, but there's no better um, league of rugby that, there, that has ever existed. Yeah, you know, like at the end of the day, it was you're getting to watch almost test match quality rugby week in, week out, right? Which yeah, exactly. makes it such compelling viewing, and especially when it was so tight, you know, really. The Crusaders are the best team in that competition, but they, they were challenged throughout. You know, they lost two games this year and they lost one game last year. So, yeah, that certainly was a pretty exciting competition. It'll be interesting to see what they do with Super next year with, with um, whether they can get the Fijian draw and, and the Moana Pacifica off the ground. Because it would just add that next, you know, another level to the competition and, and a real step up for Pacifica rugby too. Yeah, absolutely. That is going to be quite interesting how um, that's all going to work. Is that that Islands team is based out of South Auckland, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. At the moment, from what I've heard, it sounds like the Fiji and Drua are basically good to go and hit the ground running. Um, obviously, COVID issues in Fiji at the moment doesn't lend itself too well to that. But, um, yeah, if the competition started tomorrow, they'd be the most ready of those two teams. The Moana Pacifica side would be based out of South Auckland at this point in time, I think. Um, but it doesn't sound like they're quite ready to go. So it'll be interesting to see how, how it goes. And then also, if, you know, they're, they're still not signed off from Rugby Australia either. So there's a bit to work on there still. Um, I think next year they'll they'll probably be the whipping boys of the competition. But as time goes on, if they can stick around, it'll be very interesting to see one what players are going to end up taking off other teams, and two how many Blues fans are going to abandon the Blues for that Pacifica team. Yeah, because that's another interesting one. Like their marketing strategy in recent years is it has been a lot around that Pacifica culture um, and Maori culture too. So when they, you know, will this new team based in the same city take away from that? It'll be quite interesting to see. Yep. I'm, I'm very excited. Anything that um, continues the, uh, the slow decline of the mockery that is Auckland rugby, I'm a big supporter of. Yeah, I think that's a good, good place to leave, uh, leave the rugby chat because um, we both agree on that one. <laughs> With, um, I guess, the next big big sporting event in New Zealand at the moment is the World Test Championship Finals. Obviously, no play day one, but day two, we finally got something in. Yeah. Uh, how much of the game did you end up catching? Or how much of a day yesterday? Uh, I watched up until uh, it was the Coley back leg to Watling. You know, that that uh, moment in the game. And I was like, oh, we're on. And then that wasn't out. And I was like, oh, I might, might go to bed now. I just couldn't pull through too long. Um, but, how about yourself? Um, I actually ended up unintentionally watching the entire day. Um, I went to bed 
once they brought everyone in for tea, once it got too dark, expecting them to come out again in half an hour, but they never did. So um, got a got a good grasp on the game. Um, yeah, it's certainly evenly poised, isn't it? You know, the yeah, hundred and hundred and forty odd for three, isn't it? It's pretty tight. I really, when we won the toss, I celebrated like we're taking a wicket. I really thought we won the test with the toss, but God, the the Indian batsmen are batting out of their skin. Everything is stacked against them, and they're, I mean, what they had a sixty run opening partnership, and then Coley just looked unflappable at the moment. Um, it's making me really nervous. I really expected to come out of the day with about five or six wickets, but oh, I don't know. It's it's nervous. Yeah, I mean they, they are all very very good batsmen, you know. Like it goes without saying, really. So I mean to get Pajar and Sharma out was a real good, you know, it's a two two pluses in there. Um, and yes, you would have wanted one or two more, and definitely, you know, Coley's wicket would have been most desirable. But I think where where the game's currently placed, it's actually still very much in the balance. Um, you know, there's no team on top yet i'd say you know india can get a good start tomorrow uh, tonight then you know realistically they are the the form team and they they could take it from there and just take it away from us but you know our bowling was pretty good like we restricted them a lot in the singles and we're making them score basically through boundaries or and shots that you know put themselves under pressure you start playing them well but if they stuff them up then you know it only takes one one moment. It's only one moment of action to get out, you know, and you've got to get lucky all the time to stay in. Yeah, exactly. I mean, God, when in those first few overs, when I saw that much movement on the ball that early, I was like, oh, we've got it. We've, we've won. But um, it's, it's actually moving so much that I think we're struggling to control it, and it's almost playing into their hands a bit. Um, like the, the amount of movement that Southie's getting. When he's, oh, it's pretty he's bowling, unbelievable. Um, yeah, he's bowling down leg and it's almost ending up going wide on off. It's, it's unreal. Yeah, it an, 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 was interesting in the Gronholm's bowling. Like that first over was so tight and then just one ball seemed to catch him off guard almost because he just put in a bit short and the swing away just lent itself perfectly to being smoked to the boundary. So, yeah, you've got to... That's the thing with test cricket. You've got to be on the whole time. It's such a big challenge. And, yeah, it's going to be a very entertaining next four days. It's a very nervy next four days. I've never never watched a match quite like this where there's so much riding on just this one. And, you know, it's not like any other sport final where, you know, there's big anticipation building up for the day and then it's like a, I don't know, a three-hour match or an, if it's the World Cup final for cricket, it's like an eight-hour match. But this one, well, five days non-stop thinking about it. It's, yeah, it's tough on the brain, but we, it's will, certainly, we will stay with it. Yeah, it's certainly been a massive positive for Test cricket. Um, the whole format probably needs a little bit of working still, but at the end of the day, it has really made Test cricket quite relevant. I mean, it's always been relevant, but it's really helped the game grow in that sense. You know, they've obviously had a big boom in 2020 and one day cricket in recent years, but it's kind of brought test cricket back to the fore, which has been awesome to see. It's hard to believe it's taken them over a hundred years to come up with something like this. 
Yeah, well, I guess the, the thing about test cricket is it is so prestigious. And if you are the number one team in the world, it, that means enough on its own without having a, a World Cup. But in saying that, it, it has really benefited the game and it's been awesome to see. And, you know, people complain about the format, but you've got the one and two best teams in the world playing in the final. So that's, you know, what, what they set out to achieve. Exactly. I mean, and it will only continue to get better. I'm sure they're going to tinker with the format once this is all done. Um, because it's going to, well, I guess it's going to clash with the next World Cup if they're going to do the two yearly one. So maybe they, I don't know, they take a break for the rest of the year and then kick it back off start of 2022. But, um, and hopefully they change the body ground because the, this rain is it's worse than Coley at the moment. I mean, it's it's absolutely killing me staying up. I stayed up on Friday hoping for something, got called off. Um, there's rain forecast this morning in England, uh, but that is supposed to clear by lunchtime. But, I mean, the fact that it's the World Test Championship and we're already guaranteed, we've already lost an entire day. We've got a reserve day, but we lost, what, two hours last night. Um the, the more that gets rained out, we, uh, we're heading for a draw, which I really don't want. Like, how lame is that? Two years of build-up, and then it just ends in a draw. I'd honestly rather lose and have a draw through the weather. Um, but, yeah, uh, I'll play it in, I don't know, in the MCG in February or something. Shit. Just don't have it in Southampton in June. Well, that's the saying, right? Is if you want to, if you want, um, you want rain, schedule a cricket match. Let alone it's, a six-day one. But it's it's very tough. Um, do you have any predictions for how it's all going to go tonight? What are we going to be looking at the end of day three? Yeah, I think as I said earlier, where you need a, a wicket in the first fifty runs, one or two wickets in there, and and then New Zealand are on top. But I, my prediction would be that if we get enough play um, tonight, India will be 346 all out. And we would have only just started batting, would be my prediction. Um, looking at the weather forecast and praying, I guess, that we get a, a fullish day play. Um, I think if we... The thing that makes me nervous, if we can get Kohli out early tonight, I think we're well, well poised. But if we allow a Coley part partnership, that that scares me a lot. Yeah, yeah. But I think they are batting slow enough that the currently we are we're containing them and building that pressure. But with those two, Rahane and Coley at the crease, you know that anything can happen from there. That's very true. I just, yeah, I. I don't even know what I want, really. I mean, there's there's two scenarios. I think either we get them out quick tonight or we just restrict their run rate, which, I mean, they're already effectively doing themselves and the weather's helping. But if we do that, then we get Punt in at a point where he has to just smash it and we can get him out with a nick or a catch or something something dumb, then, yeah, we're, we're well poised. I just, I don't want... We, we just need Coley gone ASAP. Yeah, well, he is the the danger man, isn't he? So, 
be good to get rid of him and um, yeah, be interesting to see how we go. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, up the Black Caps. Up the Black Caps, eh? And so you've been watching a bit of the NBA playoffs? Yeah, I mean, obviously it's it's during the work day, so we, we don't catch as much of it as we once did when we were students. Um, but this playoffs, the first time in since I've been watching basketball that I genuinely don't know who's going to win the title. Um, game seven of Nets Bucks that is on as we speak, is it not? Yeah, it starts in 20 minutes from the time um, of recording at 12 o'clock on Sunday. That that could decide the title, but at the same time, the Nets are they're very, very hurt at the moment. Um, the Bucks. I, I don't know how they're going to fare against the Hawks, to be honest. The Hawks have just turned unreal. And then the Sixers, um, honestly, I think the Sixers are going to lose game seven, to be honest. They've just been horrendous. Ben Simmons, Lightbrooks kept his personality a facade. How can you be, well, I don't know, what's he considered? Probably a top 20 player in the NBA. You're scoring six points in a playoff game. Uh, yeah, it's a bit of a... scared to shoot. Yeah, it's a bit of a funny one, eh? Because... Obviously, the Sixers won that last game, but it doesn't feel like that. Like it feels like the Hawks have won, have you know won the series already. Just the way they've been playing and the way that the Sixers just keep dropping their heads in games. It's like, yeah, it's been pretty tough to watch if you're a Sixers fan. It's the same story every year for the Sixers. I mean, they've probably, I mean, well, the Nets have the most talented team, but behind that is the Sixers. I mean, Embiid was the runaway MVP candidate this year until he got hurt and then Jokic far overtook him. Um, but then what's he got as a second option? And he's got Ben Simmons who can't shoot and won't shoot. And he's got Tobias Harris who, don't get me wrong, he's good, but he's no superstar. Um, and he's got a bunch of role players around him. And I feel sorry for him because he genuinely truly wants to win he gives us all and ben simmons can't shoot free throws can't shoot anywhere on the court and he he's a facade yeah it's certainly yeah it's an interesting one because he in some people's minds was obviously the defensive player of the year um ultimately it went to go bear but he was certainly in the running for it so he he does offer a lot but for a title winning team does he offer enough no, I mean, I don't think you can be a superstar and you physically cannot shoot. Um, like, I mean, you, you got your likes of Dennis Rodman, but he is a, probably one of the, if not the, one of the best defensive players of all time. He was a hustler for loose balls and he was also the third option on that team and was like a glue guy. Ben Simmons is supposed to be a superstar, the second option on this team. And he he's tragic on offense. He's, he's a non-factor. You can't just throw pretty passes and defend and look like you don't give a shit and expect to, to win a playoff series. Yeah. Yeah. And, and as you say, Roman played in a very different team and era where that side of the game was probably a lot more valuable as it is today, you know? Yeah, exactly. It's a it's a score first, score second, score third league now. Um, and 
yeah, he's just, I don't get him. I just don't understand him. He's got everything going for him. He's a six foot 10 point guard. Um, and the fact he's been in the league now for what, four or five years, he doesn't look like he's made any effort to learn how to shoot properly. It's a joke. Yeah. I think, um, yeah, I think the game tomorrow for them will be pretty make or break on that partnership. You'd think though, this is has the process work tomorrow for them, really, isn't it? Yeah, ultimately. I mean, you're going to have to have big changes because what what more can you do if you lose to the Hawks in the playoffs as the number one seed? I mean, it's been a real trade coming out party this playoffs, but you, you should be beating the Hawks with the talent that you've got. And also, another point, they almost traded for James Harden this season and mm. Ben Simmons would have been going the other way. Now, one, imagine Embiid and Harden together. Two, imagine Harden not being on the net. That's a... I mean, that was your best shot at the title. And now, not only have you indirectly strengthened your biggest opposition, um, you your team is just not fit for purpose. Yeah. Yeah, and it's pretty unbelievable, you know, we bring up the NBA playoffs and this is the talking point when the Clippers had their miraculous comeback yesterday too. I'd actually completely forgotten about that, to be honest. But what what is going on there? The Jazz, much like the, um, the Sixers, actually, what's going on there? Number one seed, looked like Donovan Mitchell was having something of a coming out party as well. Um, and you blew it to a Clippers team who have been perennial chokers since that franchise was, was founded and um, they don't have their best player. They've got Paul George, who is known as a playoff choker as their best player. And then this, I I can't believe it. Yeah, no, it's certainly a pretty unbelievable, especially when you think, um, yeah, the Clippers have been without Leonard, which you know is their best player, and Paul George has really stepped it up from the level he was at last year. And then Terrence Mann scores thirty nine points. It's like, yeah, pretty unbelievable. It's yeah, it's nuts. I I think if the Suns can get Chris Paul back quickly, um, the Suns will wrap that up. I hope to see the Suns in the final. Um, common theme here Devin Booker's having a coming out party yeah. um, but yeah it is it's definitely a very exciting playoffs and it's also a very frustrating playoffs because I mean you, you can't predict it I thought the Lakers probably weren't going to win but they were at least going to switch it on just for the simple fact they had LeBron but they got defeated by injuries um, the Nuggets got spanked with the MVP who to be fair they lost their second option during the season but um, you, you'd think that with Jokic having a historic season you'd, you'd expect them to be the next one in there um, so look it's all part of the Suns at the moment I'm fully on board the Suns wagon um, I'm hoping the Bucks can pull it off tonight because I hate the Nets as a Knicks fan they do not deserve that. Kevin Durant, 
you're a weak human being and um yeah praying for a son's bucks final yeah i think um i would almost agree with you i'd like to see the net sons i just think yeah. you know the, the the best team you want to see the best teams in the finals right and, and the nets are the best team as long as they can win today and if they don't then you know that that's wrong and the bucks will be the best team and they would be they would be ultimately your favorite straight away wouldn't they in fairness with kevin durant's insane performance in game five i um if he can put up performances like that with harden playing at about 50 percent and Kyrie not playing at all um that's his first real title for me and I will gain respect. But until I see that happening, um, no, I, I don't like Kevin Durant. I will never like the Nets. They are a fraudulent franchise. No one in New York supports them. And uh, go Suns. Go Bucks. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, you've been watching much of the Euros? Yeah, I've been uh, I've been dabbling. Um, I went to sleep when the France Hungary game was one all, and admittedly, I haven't checked the score. What was the score in that game? One all, so pretty massive point for Hungary, um, and is... a pretty crucial. Uh, you know, in that poll, you've got to get as many points as you can. So France haven't quite butchered it, but you know, at the same pretty time, that was the game that realistically Germany is going to win, you know, next time. And so that automatically puts them on six points. And it comes down to that France-Portugal match. God, that is huge. Um, yeah, I I really didn't expect Germany to get out the group or, I mean, just based on the strength of the, um, the other teams in their group, I didn't expect them to come out as one of the third-place teams either. But they're, they're very poised now, aren't they? Yeah, well, the fact that they're all going to get a win, or they've all had a win, rather, those three top teams, that kind of lends its hand directly to getting into that next round. So it'll be interesting to see what what they actually do. Yeah. Um, who's your pick to win it at the moment? I thought that Portugal would have a strong showing. Their team is ridiculous. Um, it's only improved from the team that won it, f- what, five years ago now. But, um, yeah, they're not looking really the goods at the moment. No, I didn't watch their game this morning, but from reading the articles, it just sounds like they didn't really show up. They went ahead really early and then went behind pretty much just as quickly. Um, they had two oggies. Yeah. It was just a weird, a weird game of football. One of those ones where they needed to win and... They could probably get away with not winning, but you know, it doesn't help their cause. But I, I picked Belgium. Belgium were my um, pick to win the tournament. So it'll be interesting to see how they go. I guess if you had to look at the current form, you'd go them or Italy. Like Italy are unreal at the moment. Yeah, that's sort of come out of nowhere. Eh? I mean, they've never been really known to have star players of recent, and they still, I mean, they got a Mobley, but. Well, the irony is, the irony is, it's come out of nowhere for pretty much every football fan. But I think there's a they've scored thirty seven and not conceded, and there's all these other crazy stats like Donnarumma's never conceded more than one goal for Italy, and 
yeah, they like they on paper before the tournament you probably wouldn't have picked them, but seeing them play, they just look that step above. And yes, their group is a little bit weaker than the other ones, but it's still pretty entertaining. Oh, it's very it's been a great tournament all around. Um and it's it's yeah, as you say, it's been sort of full of surprises. Um Belgium, I think on paper, they look fantastic. However, as always, it's it's always like a gimmicky pick to pick Belgium. They've got the names. They've never really had the success. They made the semi-final of the World Cup, to be fair, but um, until you sort of see them crack on to a final or something something like that, reach the pinnacle, I, I'm nervous about picking them. England, big stay away. Gareth Southgate, you're an idiot. Leaving Jaden Sancho and Jack Grealish on the bench, buying Sterling, who's had a shocking season. Um, I yeah. don't know what you're thinking. Yeah, very, very bizarre. Like England played all right. They just kind of didn't have anything in the final third. And then um, Foden was by far and away their best player. And then they take him off. <laughs> I just, how, I, it'll be interesting to see at what point they're going to sack him. I think he's won a lot of, um, what's the word? I don't know, good good karma for um, his World Cup performance. And so I think it's going to take a group stage exit for him to be booted after the Euros, to be honest. But the, the team that he's picked and the team that he's putting out is so much worse than what England have the potential to do. I mean, on paper, they should be where they finished in the World Cup. They should be at least semi-finalists, if not kicking on to the final. Um. But they're just what he's, he's sticking to pretty much his World Cup squad, and a lot of them have not been good since that World Cup. And you've got this new, young, exciting generation coming through of players of exactly what you're missing in the World Cup creativity. And no, you're sticking to your, your set piece goblins and. Yeah, I mean, they haven't played badly. Like, they didn't play that badly against Scotland. Like, yeah, they should have won, and they didn't really have that potency in their final third, but they had all the ball, and they had everything. They pretty much did everything but score. So it'll be really interesting to see how they set up against the Czech Republic. You'd think Grealish and, Grealish and Sancho would have to get a run. You'd hope so, but with Gareth Southgate, you just you never know what's going to happen. Um, no, and then and he took out Trippier and Walker, who were probably England's, you know, after Phillips, um, probably their two next best players in the Croatia game, and replaced them with Reese James and Shaw, and they were really average. Like they didn't really provide much going forward at all, especially when the wingbacks are such a key position in his, you know, his formations. Yeah, it's it's really odd. Um, I. Yeah, until they get a, a manager who's willing to switch things up and try to be a bit creative, um, I don't see them having any further international success, which is quite funny, to be honest. It's, there's a lot of uh, English fans that we're friends with, and to laugh at them is quite fun. Um, my pick to win, um, it's really tough to say. Um, if the Netherlands had Van Dijk, I think they're they're a big shout. However, obviously they do not. 
Um, I think I'm just going to have to stick with France. I mean, on paper, France should be cleaning this up. You can have one bad game in a tournament and still clean up. Um, yeah, well, then I mean that sets up. That's a massive game, eh? That France Portugal game now. Oh yeah. I mean, and that could almost decide, you know, I mean, it's very, very, very early to pre- predicting it, but it could almost decide the tournament. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, well, I feel like we've uh, we've made his predictions and we'll see how wrong we are. Yeah, probably going to be disastrously long, uh, wrong when um, Finland comes out of nowhere and wins the whole thing. Yeah, at least we'll, we'll be joined by the masses on that one, I think. If that's the case. Well, uh, so the bar of the week. You want to yes. you want to introduce this one, the budget bandit. So, um, a long missed segment. We tried to get this running through COVID, but obviously, as we couldn't visit many bars during COVID, um, kind of fell flat. We kind of forgot what it was like to uh, to be outside with other people. But um, we're bringing it back with a doozy. Um, some people call this Sandbar Wellington Central. This is the Green Man. Yeah, there's a lovely, lovely pub um, in the in the centre of Wellington. Um, I haven't spent many an occasion there, but the you know, my one visit was memorable to say the least and enjoyable. Yeah, um, the reason I suggested this as a bar of the week is because it's actually the bar we've most recently been at together. And that was in about January now. So that is a while away ago, I should say. But I've spent a few few good nights there. Um, there's a lot of positives. For me, there's an extremely wide variety of, of different seating options. You've got the balcony outside. You've got the, uh, the uh, stool area, should I say, with, where you would... Uh, eat or have the band play and they set up a lovely dance floor there you've also got on the opposite side of the bar a place with pool tables and dartboards um, and more leaners and obviously you've got a pokies room which is very essential yeah and that you can kind of tick all the boxes with those uh, you know um, what's the word I'm looking for like, I wouldn't say accessories, would you? But you're just, they're not far off that. Yeah, no, I mean, it's it's definitely got all the bells and whistles. Um, very versatile bar. Um, I think the description of Sandbar Wellington Central was quite accurate. It's, it's the prime spot for after-work drinks, particularly if you work in Central Wellington. Like me, my office is one block away. Um, the the biggest positive I have of this um, when you're extremely steamed there and you, you need to rate the seal you walk into the bathroom you go to the urinal there's a screen above the urinal you can play games with your piss at the urinal like there's like a goalkeeping game with soccer balls flying at you and you just got to aim your stream to uh, where you want your goalie to go and oh, that, that's great fun. That really keeps you entertained when you're about eight yagalums deep. Hey, well, that does sound like a bit of fun, you know, a bit of, bit of positive. Yeah, it's it's big for me. Um, 
do you have any any positives to add? Um, no, not particularly. I mean, you know, as I say, I've only been there once, so I can kind of go off that on one occasion, and it was, you know, no complaints. Had decent atmosphere. It was busy enough for you know, Wellington in January is always very quiet, and it was you know relatively busy, so it's quite a good sign. Um, yeah, didn't didn't use the facilities, and um, so I didn't get to experience that, but. I think if I had to give it a rating, I'd probably go, I reckon, about 7.2. That's fair. That's fair. Um, yeah. So to add to my positives, I have two negatives. Um, one, the price. It is quite pricey. Um, it is in the dead centre of Wellington, though. You are aiming to get those um, after-work beers and... Um, Friday drinks type crowds mainly where the the office pays, so <laughs> I I can't can't drop it down that much based on where it is. Um, no, you pay for the location, don't you? Exactly, and there's there's a lot of facilities there. It's a fair price. You can't you can't really fault that. But another one, again, pretty based on the location, but it is unbelievably busy after um, any event at Westpac Stadium. Like, and I mean, shoulder to shoulder busy to the point where you get denied at the door if you're 10 minutes later than everyone else leaving the stadium. Um, yeah, and that's a good sign. It is It is a good sign, but it's it's just too much. They let in too many people. Um, the I think they host a lot of after matches. I think the Hurricanes official after matches there. When the Phoenix played in Wellington, they had their after match there after the um the Churchill has become a casualty of COVID. And um yeah, I mean, again, dead middle of Wellington, very popular, great facilities, but uh, as an administrative point, let less people in and you'll get a better rating from me. Um, however, I'm going to give you my rating now, and the rating is an 8.04. An 8.04, geez, that's very precise. Very, um, you got to be precise with these things. Um, it's yeah, I in terms of facilities, it's only rivaled by the Avony Tavern for um, for pubs that I've been to. Uh, it's yeah, I, I can't fault it on much, but the fact that they let way too many people in and it is quite pricey, there never really seems to be any drink deals. Um, it's got to be bumped down, but still yeah. a great place. No, I think they, they look, I think you're know, not far off. I, I think my one's a bit fairer, you know, from my one experience. I've gone with a very fair score, and, and you're obviously a, a regular there, so can't fault you. Thank you, thank you. Well, shall we um, make our triumphant return to the list? Yes, we we get into the list. So, do you want to introduce this one as well? So, um, as we planned our return, we went back into the archives, had a listen to some of the list topics, and one particularly polarizing one was the best and worst places in New Zealand. Um, quite good feedback from the both of us and people who listened. Um. So we've, we've kind of come off the back of that and we're going for the list of the best New Zealand small towns. 
Yeah, and there will be a, you know a few that we've already covered, and and that's you know because some of the best small towns are some of the best uh, towns anyway. You know, full stop. So, yeah, do you want to um, get into it? Well, firstly, I'd I'd like to uh, hear about your your method for this, your criteria. Um, so I kind of looked at a what we'd mentioned in the past in, in terms of best towns in New Zealand. Um, and thinking about whether any of those would qualify as a small town. Um, so that was kind of the first thing, because you didn't want to contradict yourself. Uh, second second method was looking at, um, you know, things to do in the in said place, um, whether that's, a, you know, the local pub or an activity indoor or outdoor um, focused. Thirdly, uh, where you stay, um, you know, obviously that changes for everyone, but uh, for myself, I was going to look at, you know, where where you know you get the best value for money and experience and then um you know lastly i think just places i really enjoy and you know going very personal on this one just thinking about you know what i think um and everyone's entitled to their opinion hey that's beautiful um for me i've i've really focused on the towns that you really like to drive through um i don't know if i've spent a ton of time in really small places in New Zealand. However, the road trip factor, how happy you are to be there, um, how much you enjoy the brief time you're there. That is a key factor, yes. No, I do do agree. Very big for me. So off the back of that, we've also got food options, um, monuments, obviously. Um, Bars, if, if I've been to a bar there, that is a big positive. Or even if I've just driven past it and it looks like a place I'd enjoy. And uh, meme factor is big for me. Mm, okay. So we'll start, we'll start from the bottom, work our way up. Number five. Uh, number five, I have gone for Timaru. Oh, great shout. Uh, Timaru. The Riviera of the South. It's, it's a beautiful place. Um, I've only ever been there, I believe, with you driving through there. Um, we've been to a lovely cafe there. Uh, we've also visited the greatest race of all times monument, Farlap, and we always put something on our Instagram story when we do that. Um, it's far superior to Oamaru and Ashburnham. Oh, extremely. And, and I think it's um, the, the nicest place we drive through. Yeah, on the way there from Christchurch to Needham. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so. Uh, Oh, it's a good good start. Yeah, and no, for me, I, you know, went on down a similar line, and uh, my number five is Bulls. Just the oh, whole I like unbelievable. That. Um, it really is an incredible place. Um, you really get a lot um, out of your journey through Bulls. Um, but also, you know, if you have the the opportunity to to stay in Bulls or um, you know visit, it's really a lovely place. Great food options, great fish and chip shop, which. Is pretty um, interesting when you think it is. is you don't can't see the sea from Bulls, so you know you're starting to get a little bit dodgy on the fish and chips. But no, it's a, it's a good place, and, and you know, drive it through a lot and um, can't complain. Well, Bulls actually happens to be my number four on the list, and um, Great the mind. only thing I could I could add to that is the rat hole. Um, do you remember going there on our way back from Auckland? See, I do, 
Um, but I just, I, I think I might remember it very differently to you do. Well, I just like the blatant disregard for the law in terms of um, that the pokies have to be hidden away from sight. The pokies are just literally put around the back wall. Um, and we were by far the most urban looking people there. Um, it was everyone else. Probably we brought, You brought the average age down too. That was a key. Yeah, that was very key. Um, only people not wearing swan dryers. Um, and not, not by choice though. If I had a swan dryer, I would have been wearing it. Oh yeah, you have to blend in in places like Bulls. Um, but yeah, ultimately, I I quite enjoy pretty derelict pubs like that, and it, it's a fond memory of Bulls that I have. The Subway, the McDonald's, the uh, the Wabing Cafe, the Jesters, great food options. Uh, I fondly remember Jimmy getting a um oh what do you call those things, the uh, the snood from Bulls. Oh, the yeah, Italian yeah. snood. So obviously a great um, fledgling knitting industry coming out of there. So balls is on the up. Hey, well, I think that's a great a great choice. Um, my number four is uh, Tekapo Springs or Lake Tekapo. Um, I'm I'm actually going there in about a, a week. Yeah, no, it's a lovely place. You know, beautiful vista. If you get there on a good day, it's pretty uh, pretty magnificent beautiful blue water and a view of Araki Mount Cook. Um, not a great deal to do there, but, um, you know, you can go skiing or go into the hot pools or forget about it. But, you know, I think that's uh, my number four. That's a beautiful number four. I cannot comment as of yet, but I will get back to you with a review uh, once I've visited there. Um, I believe I'm doing the, the hot springs and... Uh, a stargazing tour or something. So, oh, no, that, yeah, and that's another thing. It's a, um, oh, I don't actually know the, the proper name, but it is a stargazing reserve. Um, so you do get some lovely views down there. Um, yeah, so I think that goes into my number four. Well, that's beautiful. Um, I'll kick into my number three now with uh, Tokoroa. Jeez, are you sure this is in the best small towns? Look, as I said, big, uh, big factors. Food options, main factor. So when you're driving through Tokoroa, before you even, just outside of it, you got an extremely cheap petrol station that sells homemade pork crackling. Very cheap, very good. Um, then as you... You're a brave man stopping to try homemade pork crackling in uh, Tokoroa. It's, it's delicious. Don't fault it. Um and then as you continue your drive, you've got a McDonald's. I'm pretty sure there's a Burger King. There's a KFC. There's about a million bakeries in that little township thing. Lots of petrol stations. Little um, township thing. <laughs> um, I think it is the quintessential place to stop for a, uh, for a brief lunch on your, uh, on your road trip. You know, I think it's a good a good decision. I can't can't fault you there. But I do disagree. Um, <laughs> I'm not a huge fan of Tokoroa. My I've only ever driven through it, never stopped, which might be the issue. So I might have to change that next time. Yeah, I, I thoroughly recommend having a uh, a stop and a bite to eat and just uh don't stay too long. Might further sour your opinion, but yeah, definitely um 
you just want to wet the whistle, don't you? you? Don't want to you know stay too long. Yeah, that's. I think that's it's a common theme. You, New Zealand, very picturesque. You want to stop briefly. Don't don't stick around too long. Don't overdo it. That's the key. Yeah. Oh, well, the place there, uh, my, my number three, you do want to stay a while, is, is Method, um, down here in Mid-Canterbury. <laughs> um, it's got a lovely, so I've been to Method a few times, obviously accessible to Mount Hutt, um, and a bit of skiing, which will, is a theme in this uh, top five small towns for myself. Um, I've watched uh, a rugby game at the Method Domain, uh, with the beautiful vista of the mountains in the background, and a red card inside the first four minutes. Um, of the final um, of the Lahore Cup final in the Heartland Championship and then the kind of the, the highlight and, the, and I guess the jewel and the crown of Methan is the Blue Pub and the Brown Pub um, just across the road from each other um, the Blue Pub is by far the superior pub but you know you can never go wrong with either of those choices um, and it is just a really lovely place uh, I don't believe I can comment as I, I've definitely heard of Methan. Don't think I've ever been there, but um, the way it's always a pleasure, it, never a chore. The way you're describing it sounds bloody lovely. Yeah. So number two. Number two, um, sticking with the Canterbury region, I'm going Hamner Springs. Yeah, good, good choice, good choice. Um, I spent many childhood holidays here. Um, the, the fond memories I have is a great mini golf course. Unsure if it still exists. There's also an even better maze. Also unsure if that still exists. Um, you've also got the pool, elite pool, and in general, very, uh, very picturesque and a, a place I remember fondly enjoying. Yeah, no, it is, a, it is a lovely place. We have a pre-season game every year there, so I've had to spend a little bit of time there. Um, and obviously the hot pools is a, is a good go-to, and it's actually a really nice, you know, if you're a good mountain biker, a walker, runner, those sorts of things, it's a great place to be. Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd quite like to revisit it at some point, but see how it's changed. I hope it doesn't sully my, uh, my two memory of it. Yeah, yeah. well... Go on, lay on your number two. Um, so my number two, I wasn't uh, sure how how small small towns you were kind of looking at. So when you said Timaru, I was quite you know uh, genuinely pleased. A that Timaru made the the countdown, but B it, it gave me mandate to put uh, Havelock North as my number two. Ooh, because Havelock North's a funny one because it's obviously so close to Hastings and, and Napier that you can almost consider all three of those the same place. Um, however, in saying that, Havelock North has its own beautiful characteristics and it's just a lovely place to be, especially in, in summer. You know, beautiful day, vineyards around, you know, as, as I said, short hop, skipping a jump into, into some bigger towns. So, yeah, Havelock North's in my number two. I also have fond memories of Havelock North. I, um, I remember many 30-degree days there. Um, also remember that there was an Irish pub there, and that was that was fairly elite. Um, being up there, I I can't even remember why we were ever up there, but it was always a good time, always warm. Um, as you say, the uh, 
Hawks Bay region could facilitate a lot of the uh, the activities desired of a of an eleven year old. So that that definitely plays a part. Carl's Junior nearby, big uh, big plus. But um, yeah, I've got no qualms about that. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, before you get to number one, the Blackjack Bandit, would you like to um, shout out any honourable mentions? Oh, um, Ty Happy was considered. Uh, believe it or not, I have spent a night in Ty Happy. Um, That's pretty unbelievable. So, yeah, in its own right. I know. Wasn't the greatest night of my life, but I I had no problems with it. There's a yeah. McDonald's there. There's a Wildbank Cafe. Um, several other cafes dotted around. But um, yeah, nah, not didn't create the top five, but definitely an honourable mention. It, it gets shat on quite regularly, but I don't know if it deserves that. Um, yeah, one of my place... honourable uh, one of my honourable mentions along that uh, Ruapehu type vibe was Wairu. Um Oh yes, yes, yes. Yeah, just solely for the Army Museum, no other reason. Um, and the tanks is you know outside, so you know that's always a plus. Um, I also considered Martinborough, but I thought that was a bit pretentious. And I'm a man of the people, so I didn't want to put that on. Yeah, my other one was Taupo. Um Similar, similar reasons as not as leaving it out. Um, I didn't really think it covered the uh, the small town brief, um, especially you know when you're there most of the time in summer. It's a, a bustling metropolis. Very uh, fair. So I just wanted to give it an honourable mention. Very, very fair. Oh, we'll see um, number one, the big one. Before I do this, I'd uh, I'd like to give a shout out to my girlfriend Emma. Uh, happy birthday, Emma! Thanks for uh, thanks for letting me record a podcast on your birthday. Um, so, I I could see where this is going, and I really, really tried to think, but I I just couldn't think of anything else, and. Knowing, I, I know what you've put. You haven't yeah. told me, but I know it. We've got a, we've got a consensus. We've got a. Oh, yes. great minds, unreal. Owakuni, great place. Um, look, in terms of you don't really drive through it if you're trying to go anywhere other than like Wanganui. Um, but in terms of the the food options, you, you can't go past it. There's so many delightful little uh bakeries and whatnot the the burger place is unreal the pizza place um no fast food joints as such but you don't need it when you've got that sort of quality food there um the carrot big sticking point for me as i said monuments very important that is an iconic monument a very random one as well um and that just adds to the main factor for me um oh well obviously you've got Great, great pub options. Um, in the old, uh, oh, what's it called? Powder keg. And also in the little township, you've got about three or four different bar options. We only visited one. We only needed to visit one. And it was it was fantastic. Yeah, it's certainly a place you get really good value for money in the entertain, entertainment uh, side of things. You know, it's not uh, necessarily a place, as you say, you'd go to for that. but if you're there, you're certainly well catered for um, across the across the board. Whether it's you know the mountain rocks or down to the powder keg, or you know, and as you say, the burgers unreal. 
Go to Italian. That's that's an interesting one. You know, Austeria is a nah, good, good Italian. No, 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 not for you. No, no. Oh, oh, what's what's that place we went to with the steak and the ribs? That was fantastic as well. The steak and the ribs. Do you remember that? No. Well, no. To be honest, no. That was our a celebration when we had our historic gambling day. Oh, how good! Oh, you know, dude, that is good. I can't remember the name of it. That's very helpful, but. No, that is good. Oh, look, it's a lovely place. And oh, obviously, you've got the mountain and just good people. And yeah, can't go wrong. I think it was very fond memories for both of us. You you spent considerably longer there than I did. But that uh, weekend I spent there, great weekend all around. Um, I don't think I've had a better weekend than a small New Zealand town. That definitely bumps it up. But uh, yeah, there's there's nothing else I can say. Even if you're not into skiing, Owakuni, great place. Yeah, I think... Um... I think our, was it fourth episode or fifth episode, um, kind of lends its hand to this as well. And, you know, there's a place that holds very um, fond memories in our hearts. Um, and yeah, it's deservedly the best small town in New Zealand. Absolutely. I've got, uh, got nothing else to add there. Um, my list is subject to change. I am heading down to your neck of the woods in a week's time. Um, I'll be seeing you at the airport on Friday night. Um, and then from there, I'll be journeying to several small South Island towns. Um, yeah, and it's a lovely place. Um, you know, there's a, there's, there are a lot of nice small towns. You could do the bakery trifecta in um, oh, tell me more in Canterbury. Uh, you got uh, the Sheffield um, pie shop, uh, the Darfield bakery, and the Fairley Bakehouse. The, that's your trifecta. All right, I'm all absolutely, absolutely unreal, and they were going to be honourable mentions as well, just solely for their bakeries. Um, yeah, can't go wrong. Yeah, I'll absolutely be uh, sampling as many pies as I can get my hands on down there. Hey, well, well, thank you for for joining us. We, we've talked a lot of smack about a range of sports, but hopefully, uh, some of it made sense. And um, go the black caps up the fucking black caps. Uh, I know you've been uh, waiting for our trumpet return, and here we are. Uh, we're going to try to do this more regularly. And um, look, it's it's great to be back. Better than ever. Come on, you nooks. <laughs>